When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from our homes in Chicago. I'm your host Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson alongside me Vinny Duber our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can follow him at Vinny Duber and read his latest piece about Colson Montgomery, uh, Noah Schultz up at allchgo.com and Herb Lawrence. Hello. Follow him at Eckerball23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And the show feels off already, guys. I mean, it's weird. I I wasn't expecting this to be. We've had you know negative three days, negative 12 days. A little bit of ice keeps us home. Hey, man, trying to keep hey. us safe. I don't know if you went out last night or this morning. It, it's treacherous. I didn't try to drive. But, you know, these people, when rain's on the ground, they can't drive. I can't imagine when the actual thing that is uh, detrimental to maybe their health and the people who are walking is out there how they drive. So, yeah, I, I think it was a good call by our guy. All right. Well, be careful out there, folks. I'm not leaving my house because the only thing I do is my job. So here we are. Uh, we're going to be talking about the White Sox trying to improve their clubhouse culture today. Uh, some Aloy Jimenez comments that were funny just because he is kind of naturally funny. Um, I, I don't know, just the way that uh, – the first interview I ever heard him say, uh, it was on the score, and he was like, my favorite movie is The Mask with Jim Carrey. And it was just the way that he said it was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but we'll get some to some uh, comments. Uh, and then I got some stadium stuff for you guys. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I don't know what I was doing. I, I just I kind of want to present some options because I don't really know how to take the whole 78 thing, and maybe we'll break it down and make it a little bit more uh, edible. Uh, dissectable i don't know what vinnie you're the word guy what am i looking for i have no idea what you're trying to say sean <laughs> well uh <laughs> edible works digest i don't know digestible yes put us in small bites so we can eat it i got yeah you. i don't know i don't know how people listen to us uh, for an hour for five straight days uh let's jump into the topic <laughs> what have the white Sox done to improve clubhouse culture this off season uh the quote that kind of got this whole started was Aloy was on foul territory with Scott Braun, uh, Todd Frazier, and AJ uh, Przinsky. And when he was asked if there's a leader, uh, he mentioned that we're talking in the group chat, uh, but that there was no leader uh, and that they were going to, quote, talk about it. Uh, really no flying endorsement for leadership in the White Sox clubhouse yet uh vinnie why do we think that might change with some of the acquisitions this offseason uh, i mean i'm sure that the white Sox have spent the majority of the offseason considering this is what they talked about so much at the end of last regular season kind of focusing on that and bringing in guys that they knew were going to kind of do things the way they wanted to do them whether that's you know the field the stuff we've talked about over and over again on the field like not make errors and you know not make base running mistakes or the off the field stuff you know um, listen we heard rick Hahn when he still had the job talk about what all those trades at the deadline did and he said that you know that they went a ways toward improving what was going on in the 
clubhouse by getting some folks out of there. And, you know, obviously well, uh, once Keenan Middleton changed jerseys, he kind of shed some light on, on maybe how bad things were. Um, but really at the end of the day, I think Chris Getz and, and everyone around him are looking to bring in certain types of players. Now that's easy for them to say it's easy for us to, or for me to repeat. Certainly Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams spent a lot of time saying that that's the kind of guy they were looking for too during their time. And it didn't always work out that way. But I think um, when you look at the off season acquisitions that have been made, you can kind of go through and see either White Sox brass complimenting players for their off the field stuff or, or kind of their, uh, the guys themselves talking about some of the stuff they might be kind of bringing in. I mean, Martin Maldonado jumps out as a great example of somebody who has um, kind of mastered, at least on the pitching side, you know, communication with teammates and, and, and working with teammates to kind of make things happen on, uh, you know, at least in those 60 feet, six inches between the pitching mound and home plate, uh, you know, but also too, we had Paul DeYoung talk an awful lot about what he learned from some of the veterans down in St. Louis, where, you know, that culture was trumpeted for a very long time, uh, whether you're a believer in the Cardinal way or not. Um, he was talking about that and, and some of the things that he can bring from that lessons that he learned that he can bring to the White Sox. And then too, you got to remember Pedro Grafal has been talking about since the end of last year, how he's going to approach things a lot differently. And I think, you know, uh, he's been kind of upfront about maybe some of the missteps that he made in, in terms of handling the clubhouse when he first got the job. And I think he's going to make no bones about correcting things where he thinks they need to be corrected as he comes into year two. Um, the Aloy Jimenez comments that you were talking about, again, they're not the most terribly surprising thing in the world. We heard him among others talk about maybe a lack of leadership last year or, or folks maybe not wanting to, or needing feeling that they needed to step up in some regard. Um, but to, these things kind of maybe reset a little bit every year. Obviously there are guys who can be on a team for a long time and, and grab those leadership roles and not let go, but maybe every clubhouse is different from year to year. Even if there are only a few new faces, the White Sox have a lot of new faces. Um, maybe, you know, the guys who have been brought or, you know, held over are, are, are not the guys that, that are leadership types, but some of the guys that were brought in maybe, maybe will be, and, and perhaps a reset from last year to, to this year will force some leadership where there wasn't, you know, some before, whether that's because of new personnel or just because of a totally new feel or a new way to approach things by the manager. So I think there's a lot that's been done to kind of look at that this year and, and we can dive into kind of each of those a little bit more in more detail here as we go along. But I think that's kind of the overview that I would give and, you know, not necessarily surprised by Aloy's comments on the matter, but I, I think that uh, Chris Getson, Pedro and others have, have made a lot of effort to, to make that change um, once those guys show up to spring training. It seems to be a very, very um, important thing for former major league baseball players. That's why the folks that uh, file territory as Eloy and, the problems last year with the White Sox clubhouse uh, speak for themselves and then the record, of course. But I'm not sure if it's a chicken and the egg thing, you know, if you're just a good team, like those 70s A's, they didn't necessarily had a leader and they actually didn't like each other. They're just really good. So this is going to be a bad team. And so a bad team is going to reflect on the leadership of that team because it's going to be perceived that this team has no direction. Now, as you said, Vinny, in spring training, Pedro has a set standard with a bunch of kind of nomad players around, which they pretty much picked up this year. And the people who are just still around are relatively young in their major league uh, careers. And so, and not necessarily talkers. I mean, I don't think Aloy is a, 
a big time talker neither is a Luis. i mean it's a talker but i don't know if he's a necessarily hey follow me guys i got you guys uh uh what you should do uh in this uh instance i don't think Luis is and there's other people i think that could be leaders but if you're not doing it on the field that leadership kind of goes by the wayside so you know bringing in new people like martin maldonado that's been in a winning culture maybe they look up to him and say hey that is what we need to do we need to listen to that guy but that's also hard to do because for all intents and purposes that's going to be a platoon thing if not stassi getting the majority of the playing time if healthy and if he beats out martin maldonado so it's hard to be a leader on the bench and so that's why pedro has to set the standard when he gets to spring training and then let a leader naturally emerge from that you can't just say that guy's a leader and if he doesn't have those natural leadership skills, it'll fall by the wayside. You have to have that come up organically. And if it does happen in uh, spring training, great. If it doesn't, Pedro has to take those reins until somebody naturally takes over for him. I get your point, but isn't the whole point being on a team and Maldonado having the work ethic and maybe being one of those first in, last out guys? Like He creates that own aura about him just because of the work ethic so as long as he's continuing the same work ethic that he's had throughout his career he should be able to contribute whether he's in the starting lineup or on the bench because he's still contributing to game plans consistently like i think that's maybe why the catcher position so important uh and so huge when it comes to leadership because you sent the clip from uh the athletics uh rate and barrels with you know saris and uh derek van ripper dvr mm-hmm. i think it's just the abbreviation um but they talked about Maldonado being a possible next player to go into coaching. So it's basically you have 25 players and a coach. Uh, I I think it's not harmful if Pedro says, oh, Maldonado's a leader because he's proven that wherever he goes, that he leads. So I I don't know if I I hate that uh, if Pedro does make that statement, but like, you bring up the big thing. It's what is the goal? Like, isn't leadership defined by a common goal and working together and having one guy kind of lead you towards that common goal? What are the 2024 White Sox trying to accomplish? You can play play cleaner. You can have multiple leaders and multiple goals. So, you know, I think uh, Vinny, you spoke to this in the past about the White Sox having different leaders throughout the staff. And so the pitching staff, the relievers, the uh, position players. So somebody can step up, but yes, there has to be a stated goal and the way the White Sox do things and has to be some punishment. As we heard from Keenan Middleton last year, that there was no real punitive measures taken for people missing PFPs or missing uh, infield practice or things like that. And so there has to be a standard set by somebody and a leader is only good as the students he's teaching. And so if people are just having a deaf ear towards Martin Maldonado or the guy that I would love to have be the leader, Andrew Vaughn, because he showed glimpses of that last year when, especially when Tim got punched out and him going to grab Tim and making sure that he was off the field. That to me, leadership shown right there by Andrew Vaughn, that type of player who's young in his career, but it looks like he's going to be here for a decent amount of time. People can see that and they can say, okay, he's going to be a good player. And also they like him here in Chicago. So it's not just a flash in the pan like Martin Maldonado might be. He might be setting a standard, but he might be only here for a year. And so that might go by the wayside and people might not listen to him as much as they would listen to Andrew Vaughn because they know he's going to be here for next year and the year after that too. So I would say that it has to start there and then somebody or multiple people have to take over. 
I mean, we've, you know, I asked Chris Getz, you know, you, we played it on the, on the show here, but I asked him during his most recent uh, media session, kind of what do some of these short-term deals really do for the long-term of this team? And I think one of the things that he said was, you know, maybe comes in and, and, and helps the young guys out and kind of shows them the way to do stuff. And, you know, it, it's possible that uh, a core of guys who are going to be here for a bit or, um, you know, young guys who maybe are just going to be going to spring training and maybe making their way up through this and next season, you know, five years down the road are talking about, oh boy, the impact that some of these guys had, even though that they're, they're long gone. You know, it might be a situation where, man, Paul DeYoung really helped out Colson Montgomery in, in, in figuring out how to do this and that and the other the right way. Or, you know, you got Edgar Caro saying, wow, Martin Maldonado was such a big help for, for these reasons. Or you have other guys just saying, you know, man, we learned how to win from, you know, or we, we learned what it takes to win, I should say, from a guy like Maldonado, or we learned X, Y, and Z from a guy like Eric Fetty who had to, you know, go over to Korea in order to, to figure things out for himself. So, you know, if you're looking at why are these guys here? Yeah. At the end of the day, they're low cost, you know, ways to fill out a roster while you're waiting for some other stuff to happen. Uh, but there are those extra benefits that might be of, of, of use to some of the guys who are going to be here for a while, or, or, you know, might be of use to Pedro Grafol in, in setting, you know, helping set the way that he wants his clubhouse to, to, to go. So, um, yeah, it's hard to kind of see. I know for a lot of people, myself included, you know, where is the where is the exact roadmap to where the White Sox want to be through player acquisition and 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 you know how can we fill in the paint by numbers on the on the lineup and on the starting rotation for two three years down the road. But there are some little things that I think the the White Sox uh, front office and and coaching staff are looking to get done. Uh, you know, this year even if it doesn't come with a lot of wins along along. The way but i will say this too sean to what you were saying what are the goals what are they even going to you know get a leader to point them toward you're going to hear a lot of stuff in spring training about how this team wants to win right i mean pedro grafol is going to talk about how he's they're going out there to win every day you're going to hear players say well you don't show up to spring training without the idea that you could you know win a division or, or, or make the playoff something like that so while it's going to be very difficult for people outside that locker room and for people outside, you know, that ballpark to, to look at this roster and go, man, where are the runs coming from? Where are the wins coming from? That kind of thing. Don't discount the idea that these guys are still showing up to work every day to try and do what they are trying to do. Even if there is a low percent chance at the end of the day, that that might actually be the outcome. We'll get to that. Cause uh, you mentioned what people outside of the clubhouse wondering where runs are coming from. Is that was it? Well, I just wanted to make well, sure. Well, I was mentioned. I wasn't being specific, but you know, yeah. I, I think some people inside the clubhouse are wondering where runs are going to come from in 2024. Uh, we'll take a break in just a sec, uh, but I think maybe what sticks out is maybe again, maybe not a leader, maybe not a guy, uh, because we all thought Jose Abreu was the guy for that team. But when he became an Astro, again, this was his his quote when he was being introduced. I think sometimes talking about the past can bring a lot of animosity, but I think the best way I could put it is just that we weren't a real family. And I'm hoping maybe the Sox can get to a situation where a lot of the guys there uh, that do deserve to be in a good situation, uh, they can have it there and be able to win. But I don't really have too much more to say about that. And then asked, how are the Astros in the same regard? These guys here, they're a real family. Obviously, I can see why the Astros organization had as much success success as they has ha have had 
the past couple of years. So maybe it's not just Martin Maldonado because Jose Abreu didn't say Martin Maldonado. Um, but again, maybe it's about having success when no one believes in you. We always hear about that cliche. So with them still spending the most on a team in the division, they maybe have the talent <laughs> to do it. Uh, I mean, again, I don't trust in the AL Central. And as long as the Twins aren't healthy, it's a four-team race. So, I mean, I, I get the cliche and they're in the division to maybe uh, become a family in 2024 if all things go right. It also could be a steaming pile of crap. Uh, let's take a break. Uh, we'll talk about Ole Jimenez's comments about the lineup in just a second, and uh, I'll show Vinny and Herb some pictures a little later on in the show. Vinny, did you know it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles? Something that we can all get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us. Who share it? That's exactly right, Sean. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. Oh, yes, they can. What should business owners do to help ComEd guide them? They should go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you, yes, you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, and good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? Indeed, I did. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. What you need to do right now is go over to midtown.com slash CHGO and follow along with me because Midtown has four Chicagoland locations, Palatine in the northwest suburbs, Bannockburn in the north shore, Willowbrook in the southwest suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park. Midtown Palatine is going through a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete in early 2024. And the three places I listed earlier Midtown Bannockburg, Midtown Palatine, and Midtown Willowbrook are offering no initiation fees this January. So go on and hop on that because there's something for everyone at Midtown. If you're a single person, they got stuff for you. Families with kids, stuff with you for you too, and people with lifestyle changes or just looking for holistic wellness because Midtown Chicago is the nicest fitness club that I've ever been to. They have super luxe locker rooms, wet and dry saunas, and premium amenities. Amazing outdoor, indoor pools and hot tubs, and a collection of boutique fitnesses with studios with more than 100 classes per week. Either the arena, Samadhi, Everybody Fights, Ride, The Field, or The Theater, which has group exercises. But Midtown is most known for their best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor and outdoor tennis ball, pickleball, and paddle tennis. USTA professional quality all the way. You're already at Midtown.com slash Chicago. So you can find out more about the clubs and tour the Midtown Athletic Club that is nearest you. And don't forget, this Thursday, broadcasting live, the CHGO Bears and the CHGO Weekly Show this Thursday at the Bannockburn store. So that I know the CHGO Bears show is at noon. So it's gratis to you who are listening right now. So go over there and join Midtown Bannockburn and watch the guys do a live show in front of you. I thought we were remote today because they were remote. What's going on? I don't know what's going on. I don't know because of the weather. <laughs> what's, the, what's that old score drop, Herb? What the hell is going on out there? That's how I feel. Um, that's um, that's uh, Lombardi, Vince Lombardi. Okay. Yeah, I think he's famous. Uh, 
All right, let's jump into the other comments from Aloy Jimenez. Uh, Scott Braun asked Aloy what he made of the White Sox offseason so far, and Aloy said, this is a business. I see guys come and go. This new staff coming with something new. They say, I have liked it. It's been good. I hope we could sign a couple more guys to add to the lineup, but if not, we're going to go battle with what we have. And I think the only reason why this stuck out was because he's on video uh, and the way that he says it he just kind of says, man, I hope we could add somebody to the lineup. Uh, I get the whole belief, like, will we get a lot of that cliche narrative that, oh, we can take the division just because, you know, right here we talk about the White Sox every single day during the offseason. And there's some days where I come in and I'm like, oh, they could win the division. And there's some days I'm like, oh, they'll win 40 games. Um, is it just kind of human nature to believe? Um, I think it's your job to do it, right? I mean, these guys are uh, part, part of their job is to be PR professionals a little bit. And I think that, uh, you know, they're not going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, we got a bad roster. We're, not, we're probably not going to win very much. No reason to pay attention this year. I probably won't try. Like, they're not going to say any of those things, um, nor will those things all end up being 100% of the way true. So um, it, you know, like I said, there's that kind of hope springs eternal thing when you're when you're part of a team, when you're a competitor. Right. They talk about these guys be all being, you know, competitors and having that that bone in their body that that, that makes them different in that regard. They're going to go out there and probably try to win every single game. I, I don't think that, um, you know, there's this there's this. Uh, feeling among fans kind of when things don't go right that, Oh no, they're not trying. They don't care. They're no, they know they're not going to win kind of thing. That's not really the case. And you know, these guys are professionals. They're going to go out there and do their job. Now, they might not be as talented as most of the other teams they're going to be facing. And so it might end up that they're going to lose a lot of games and we can sit here and and do our jobs, which are kind of analyze what the, what the likelihood of that is kind of trying to figure out kind of how they stack up against some of the other teams across the league. And right now, because they haven't really made many, you know, eye popping moves, it's probably not very favorable for them, but uh, you know, I think we would all agree on that front, but, they're going to say different things. And and so when I see Aloy say something like that, I see a guy who, man, I wish our lineup was full all-stars all the time. I wish every single player one through nine was a, was a masher. And you're probably going to hear somebody say at some point in spring training, man, we got a good lineup top to bottom kind of thing. And, and people are going to roll their eyes and uh, back here at home. And so be it, you know, but um, it's, it's these guys job to, say that they think they're going to win. And at the end of the day, they've got to go out and prove it. And if we think they're not going to be able to prove it, well then so be it. But Vinny, that's, that's the way things go. If anyone at spring training says we got a really dangerous lineup, I will have five minutes on this podcast where I laugh just continuously. Okay. Uninterrupted. Book the time. I remember, <laughs> I remember because I remember James McCann saying in 2019 that their goal was to go to the world series. So, uh, you know, let's, let's, Let's not be nuts, okay? It's their goal. It's I believe in power of manifesting. And if they really truly like James McCann thought they can get to the World Series in 2019, hey, what am I to say that he can't? But Aloy, I think he can They couldn't. I mean they could I mean they they didn't they didn't, but they couldn't. I mean, if you the people who go to the World Series every year have to think that, right? Somebody's gotta be right. So yes, you gotta have power of positive thinking, but Aloy looks at that lineup and he says yeah, I mean, Paul Young's a good pickup, but he can't hit. And Nikki is, eh, he can't really either. And we got nobody in right. And their catches are both terrible. So, yeah, we were terrible last year. We didn't get better offensively. I'm sure he's feeling that heat. And as I said to you guys in the uh, text thread, 
maybe the organization wants to like tank, but players don't want to tank. Aloy wants to go up there and make numbers. He wants to go up there and get wins because he knows that bringing wins and bringing the numbers brings money to his pocket and also his satisfaction. I'm sure Aloy doesn't just do this game for the check that he gets. He actually wants to go out there and grab dubs because that's fun. He's been playing baseball for a long time and losing like they did last year was probably not fun at all, even though he's playing a child's game. And so, yeah, he wants the team, the organization to participate with them to actually get some decent players out there. And so maybe that was just a veiled shot out there to his general managers. Hey, give me somebody out here. You can't go to spring training with this, with five above average players that are projected in 2024. That's way too low. What I will say, though, is that this is a t- it's a two-way street. You know, and, and again, we shouldn't be kind of reading into what they say in the media. They're going to say only positive things, and, and that's why everybody goes nuts when it's not the thing that you expect to hear, right? But I think the idea is there's probably a lot of fans out there that would look at that and say, hey, Chris Getz put this team in a better position to compete by going and getting improvements at shortstop improvements in right field improvements at catcher bolster this lineup, spend the money, all of that kind of thing. Well, and, and, and put Aloy Jimenez in a position to have a better season, right? Well, it goes both ways. Aloy Jimenez is part of the reason that the white Sox are in the position where they couldn't, you know, make a giant jump uh, in one off season because they lost 101 games last year. You know what I mean? Yoan Moncada. And I'm not saying this is these guys' fault. They were hurt and everything, but Yoan Moncada is part of the reason that Chris Getz wasn't in a position to put them in a better position. I mean, it is a two way street kind of thing. And, and yeah, sure. There's, you know, we can talk about the, you know, the, the trends in, 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 um, economics and, and, and trying to be good one year and not trying to be good the next year. We can talk about that for another four hours, but I guess the point is, you got Aloy Jimenez saying, boy, I wish they would have given me some help. Maybe you hit better. <laughs> like let, let them, let them give you some help. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the idea here is that the front office has put the onus on the guys who are back on Aloy, on Yoan, on Andrews, Benintendi and Vaughn to try to, uh, carry this team and make them better than they were last year offensively. Now, did they go out and give them an all-star to stick in the lineup with them? No, they didn't. Not yet. They haven't at least, but those guys are the ones who have to step up to the plate as well. So I'm, 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 I totally understand why people, you know, whether you're on the team or not would be frustrated with what has happened in regards to trying to improve the offense this, this off season, but half more than half of that offensive improvement is also on the guys who failed to produce offensively last year. And you're right that, I mean, again, they haven't yet added an all-star because Whit Merrifield still will be a White Sox soon and very soon. Um, I think, plus, if Aloy was being truly honest, he probably would say, I hope they don't add anyone so I can play right field. He didn't say that. Um, So, like, I think he was being his best PR self. Um, Luke in the chat's bringing up, uh, that's why I want Robbie Grossman in right field. He was just in Texas when they won a World Series. Going back to our Maldonado discussion, um, this kind of just fits into both. Maybe you know, are, do you think they're still looking for more 
leaders? Do you think you just can't get enough of these type of guys? Uh, when Chris Getz was talking about Maldonado and Stassi, you sent this quote over, Vinny. Um, Maldonado is a recent World Series winner, has been on a lot of successful clubs. Most importantly, to have them come in together, work together with some of our arms and teammates. We look forward to seeing them work within our clubhouse, and I think we're going to benefit from that, right? Is part of Mar the multi Martin Maldonado signing, as you brought up, helping Edgar Carroll, helping Corey Lee, helping Max Stassi. So 2025, the catcher position is, again, stable. I think it's possible the White Sox have upgraded at shortstop and catcher because Grandall wasn't that good and Anderson wasn't that good. Um, but in right field, are, do you think they're looking for another all-star like Merrifield, right? They want somebody who's going to give straight production or will they take more leadership, solid guys to fill up the lineup? Um, like what direction do you think they can go in right field? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see them I think you've seen a pattern of them looking for as many of those qualities in guys as they can possibly find. And I think that, um, you know, certainly Chris Getz has been very upfront about his desire to improve the team defensively. And I think when you look at right field, you're going to look for a guy who improves the team defensively. Certainly what they have right now in right field is a guy who is a natural first baseman. So it might not take a great leap to improve the team defensively, but I think defense is going to continue to be the focus. You've seen them, also value the the uh, makeup in to to use a word that they use all the time in a way that kind of goes back to the whole we want to play the game a certain kind of way and we're going to bring in a bunch of guys who play the game that certain kind of way i think you're going to continue to see that and i think right field will tick both of those boxes i think uh you probably would consider offense gravy a little bit, you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, depending on who they can get. Uh, but yeah, I, I would imagine they would stick much to the formula that they've set forth so far this off season, because even we're focusing in on position players, but even some of the pitchers that they've brought aboard, they've talked about in the same way. Certainly Eric Fetty was brought up as a guy who really fits the mold of what they're looking for in off the field, as well as on the pitching mound. So I think that they've probably zeroed in on a certain type of player. And I think that with any additions they make, you're going to see them kind of stick to that game plan. With the White Sox, the beggars can't be choosers on that right field position. Whoever they bring in, I think will be an improvement over Gavin Sheets because he's not a right fielder. So, but Robbie Grossman's not that good of a defensive player, but bringing in a player just because he came from a championship organization I think the White Sox have already done that multiple times with Dallas Keuchel, with Kendall Graveman, with Joe Kelly, to varying results. I think all those uh, White Sox careers kind of were on the uh, bottom side and the uh, thumbs down side. And so, yes, they did provide some leadership in Dallas Keuchel and his mom wanting to get the player's mind in the right frame, like playoffs are bust, baby. And they did. They had a great year. He had a great year. The next year wasn't that great. And the same thing with uh, – uh, the two relievers I just named. So yes, getting a player that does have a championship uh, caliber um, presence is good, but also I would just rather get a better player that would just help your team out more because we already have people who are already on the team that are listed as leaders. So I don't think you need more. You just need better players. And I'm sure people will follow Robbie Grossman. If he hits 25 home runs, which don't be a lot of home runs. But I would look for somebody in that realm where you're going to hit 20-plus home runs as a right fielder and field the ball. That's all you need. And I think everybody else will be happy with whatever that person says off the field. 
Whit Merrifield missed the Kansas City Royals World Series championship team by one season, and his career high in home runs is 19. So I couldn't make the joke properly on a right fielder with 20 career home run pop and World Series experience. So uh, I, I guess I, I just tried to, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't. It, Joey Gallo's been signed. Seems like Jorge Soler, even though he's a DH, uh, he's likely closing in on a deal with either the Red Sox or uh, Diamondbacks, if we're reading the Google tea leaves. I mean, the pickings are getting a lot slim. Like, I mean, uh, we're thinking about Joey Gallo. Act. He actually would have been a decent guy for the White Sox power bat. He, yes, he doesn't hit over the 200 mark, but his arm is premium. His speed is great. That would have been a good right right fielder for the White Sox. But now the Nationals got him for the four months, and then they're going to trade him to some other contending team. But, yeah, the pickings are getting real slim. What do we want? Tommy Pham, Sean? Who are we left? Him, Uh, Merrifield? Cody Bellinger is going to get paid too much money. Solaire isn't a true right fielder. Is Jock Peterson good enough defensively? Probably not at this part of his career. Okay. Uh, Michael A. Taylor is a center fielder, not a right fielder. Tony Kemp's more of a second base and left fielder than an actual right fielder. Is Aaron Hicks good enough? He's got a premium arm. Does he? He does. He has a great arm. Is he healthy enough? I mean, probably not. maybe. Uh, negative seven defensive value last year. Not great. Austin Meadows has been dealing with mental problems. I'm not sure if he wants to. And I don't mean to. That kind of sounded coarse coming out of my mouth. Um, uh He's just been dealing with things off the field. Uh, I don't even know if he wants to play baseball in 2024. There's Whit Merrifield. Uh, there's Kike Hernandez, who I don't know if he's a really a right fielder, an everyday right fielder. Uh, your guy, Jesse Winker. I mean, he's, one of, he's a terrible fielder. One of the worst fielders. Um, but he can hit home runs when he's out. I mean, Seattle kind of ruined him in home runs. And last year in Milwaukee was terrible. But his Cincinnati years were great. So, yeah, he'll be I would take him at this point. I would take him, but he's not been great. It seems like Tommy Pham, Travis Jankowski, Whit Merrifield, uh, David Peralta, maybe Randall Gritchick, Adam Duvall. But it sounds like he's going to I mean, it really just seems disgusting. I I, I really don't like what's going to happen in right field because the more and more they don't sign anyone, the more and more you're right about Brett Phillips possibly making starts for for the White Sox in 2024. And I hate when you're right. I mean, I am very seldom right. But they could think that those options at the price points that they're talking about are not good for the where the White Sox are at now. I mean, because we all know that they're going through a rebuild. Why would you sign Robbie Grossman to a two-year deal, et cetera, et cetera? When you have Aloy Jimenez who can play in right field and they must believe in Gavin Sheets because they haven't got anybody. If you can have him playing for X amount of games and like you said, Brett Phillips giving you a couple games in right field. So how much better will these free agents be than the people you already have in house? That's what I would be if I'm doing devil's advocate for the White Sox. But it's a terrible plan going into 2024. Well, and I wonder too, like, you know, usually we talk about the market dictating kind of when guys are going to sign and that kind of thing. If you're shopping at that level, what are you, what are you waiting for? Right? Like if you're just going to give a guy a, a, you know, two, $3 million to come play for a year, like just right. you're like, go get the guy. I mean, maybe they're trying to trade for somebody. Cause I, I mean, you know, that maybe that could be the situation because I mean, I would think that if you wanted 
some of those names that you just listed off, Sean, it's not like it's like, oh, we got to hold off and see what Cody Bellinger gets to determine what these guys are getting. Like, you know, they're not they're not in the same realm as those guys. So why can't they just jump on that? I mean, how about, and, and and that's not really a White Sox thing either. Right. We haven't seen people signing at a very uh, great clip all year long. I'm sure there are plenty of teams out there that are in similar positions, be it that position or any other one where it's like, hey, some team that isn't planning on competing uh, this uh, or contending this year needs a third baseman. Why don't they just go get a, a, a low cost third baseman? Um, you know, it, it makes me wonder what's going on. And, and on that level, you know, of the, of the shopping mall, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, mainly too, like the White Sox have consistently found deals with pitchers. I mean, I, I don't understand why you just can't come to a number on the, on the position player side to to get someone in camp. Chris Getz said they want to go get somebody. Uh, I think the trade piece is interesting because we hear with the Yankees, Spencer Jones is possibly uh, included in some of those packages. Maybe they trust him just because he is such a big body uh, to be in right field. It doesn't have that much pressure to actually field the position because you got Luis Robert in center field. So maybe that's part of the thinking. Heston Kerstad, uh, also an outfield player. Uh, possibility so maybe they're again just waiting for the closure on cease because you always bring up the elvis andrews thing maybe there's no rush to sign you know maybe tommy fans signed away you know the through the 20 days or whatever uh so you know we'll see it's 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 interesting that's for sure um let's take another break and then we'll uh, go into a topic i didn't tell you guys about uh cool uh, it's nothing weird or anything. I don't know why I said that. Uh, let's let you know about our friends over at Circus Sportsbook. They have tight money line splits, a low hold model. Games will strive to be a minus 110 split on the Circus Sports menu, unlike on other sportsbooks, which may use a minus 115 or minus 120 split. Circa keeps as little money as possible on large market bets. Uh, like futures and golf tournaments, especially compared to other books, which allows them to, again, keep the uh, model best for you the sports better and they don't want to limit players based on their winnings every player has the same limits unlike other books who limit winning players i'd go try to you know bet a parlay on a different uh sports book and i can only get down 10 cents that's not fun circuit doesn't want to do that to you and they also encourage bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available compare the lines from each sports book and most of if not all the time you will see that the world's largest sports book circus sports book has the best odds for you so download the circus sports illinois app at circusports.com slash illinois app that's circusports.com slash illinois app to sign up today also be on the lookout for circa events watch parties and tailgates if you or someone you know may have a problem with gambling call 100 gambler 1-800-426-2537 text gmb 833-234 or visit are you really winning Dot com and we want to let you know about our friends over at ray chevy our partner at ray chevrolet is ringing in the new year with their best offers all month long make your way to ray chevrolet on route 12 in fox lake to join in on the savings and start your ray resolution as one of the top selling chevy dealers in the midwest you'll always be able to shop one of chicagoland's largest chevy inventories but right now they're trying to make room for inbound 2024 models so all of their current inventory must go plus you can find the perfect tailgating vehicle at ray chevy because they over one they have over 100 new silverados available with prices starting at nineteen thousand four hundred and ninety five dollars or take up to ten thousand dollars off a new 2023 silverado and to top it all off they're pricing over 125 vehicles under twenty thousand seriously guys can pricing get more affordable? And if you mention CHGO when scheduling your oil change at Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake, you get a free oil change. So start your new year off right. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or visit RayChevrolet.com to start your Ray resolution. They've been, they've been serving the community since 1963. 
find new roads. Okay. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the 78 because the biggest thing that I heard after we did our um, discussion and then you wrote the roundtable on all chgo.com, any of our discussion, um, a lot of people are just saying, ah, oh, well, you know, we'll see. We've, we've heard a lot about this before. Um, do you, do you, I know obviously we haven't heard much since we actually talked about it, um, but has past experiences, should, should I be taking this with a grain of salt? The fact that they're in serious talks, Herb, like, is this something that, you know, happens with Chicago? Cause I don't really know. I can really only look to the bears thing with soldier field on because the Cubs haven't moved. Blackhawks and bulls haven't moved. Like I, I really haven't seen a team move I, in my lifetime. The, I believe the, I could be wrong, but I believe I remember the Cubs somewhat threatening to move to the suburbs, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Back when, back, I mean, I think it's happened multiple times, to be honest, but I think back when the when the Ricketts took over and they were looking for that public money, as we've talked about before, to help with the renovations to Wrigley Field, I believe they floated the idea at least of, of perhaps looking for a place in the suburbs. I seem to remember, um, you know, the Bears this not being their first uh, foray into possibly leaving the city. If memory serves, the uh, second mayor daily was uh, the one who said they'd have, they, they couldn't call themselves the Chicago bears if they didn't play in the, in the city proper. So, um, you know, obviously this is a, this would be a move within the city that we're talking about uh, with the White Sox. So it's kind of a different situation. Uh, I don't remember uh, back to the days of the switch from Chicago stadium to uh, the United center. So I don't really have any experience on how that goes, but um, to answer your overarching question, yeah, you should take this with a grain of salt, right? I mean, this is something that involves uh, governments and zoning and uh, all sorts of dollars and you you know you 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 always should be uh wary of you know counting your chickens before they hatch or, or waiting to uh to you know to declare anything finalized until the ink dries how many times in in our in the world that is our expertise of baseball right all you got to do is go back to last winter and what happened with multiple giant deals for carlos correa to go play in numerous places so um i think that something like this, it would seem that there would be a lot of hurdles just from a legal and and government regulation standpoint, right? So, um, you know, whether or not that all happens, I think we should probably all wait until there's actual news that something is moving, uh, to use the term that uh, you kept using on our show, Herb, to get down the road, right? I mean, you might want to wait till uh, the cars traveled a few more blocks before, uh, you know, uh, uh, deciding to, to buy some real estate over there in, in, in South Loop or, or, or to buy season tickets for a stadium that doesn't exist yet. I know the story came out from good journalism from the sun times Dale Vince Gowen etc etc but you also don't allow this and the White Sox did give a joint statement with the mayor to get out public unless you're really down the road of of purchasing this land and thinking about this because it would be a very cruel thing to have this imagination for the White Sox fans is like oh my goodness we could move here the possibilities are endless and then it not come to fruition. I know that we've been down the road as you laid out a couple of examples there, Vinny. And I remember uh, Rosemont was also in the uh, offing for the Cubs. They were using them as a uh, uh, bargaining chip. So, yeah, it's pretty, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt. But I don't know if Jerry is, I don't know if it's a bad businessman, but you don't have this out there in the public atmosphere unless you're really down the road on the deal. And if it falls through through here and it wasn't meant to be, 
it'll be kind of tough for us as fans to be like, oh man, we had some imagination that we're going to be right in the downtown area, having a ballpark that's going to be world-class and all, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're stuck at guaranteed rate, a decent ballpark. But when you have the imagination, the dream that you're going to be in a better ballpark, it's going to be real tough to have that with the fans already a bad relationship with the owner and the fans. So this would have been something I think would have not saved his legacy, but it would have helped his legacy recover a little bit. If he does find a way to purchase a 78 and get a stadium there. Again, I think his legacy money too. His legacy is tough because we know his net worth. Like I, I, and, and we know the alleged statement that he told David Samson, like in the grand scheme of things, like it's tough to win World Series and he's won one. So like, it's not like he's failed over as a man as an owner. He's just been, I, I, I don't think is invested in maybe as much of a fan as fans would like him to be. He's very much a business owner. He's very much uh, about the bottom line. And I think that rubs people the wrong way. Um, and, and, and I think what would probably make him more of a villain is, again, if, if he if it is public money funding the stadium um if people are taking money from their paycheck and, and giving it to the white Sox new stadium for for a billionaire like i think that's going to rub people the wrong way but if it's a privately funded or whatever uh stadium i think you know i, I think that legacy does change a little bit all right sarah i got some photos uh, and we are being produced by sarah i don't think i gave her a shout out but she doesn't have a mic so i didn't want to put the pressure of her saying hey um Sarah, if you could, I think I labeled it 1967. Um, if you could flash that one. Uh, this thing is from 1967. This is from stadiumpage.com. It's very cool. Um, it has a lot of major league ballparks, uh, like renditions, uh, mock-ups, models, uh, concepts, and also like the blueprints of actual stadiums that were built. This was the Chicago sports complex that was proposed for the south side of the Chicago's Loop area in 1967. It was to include a baseball stadium, a football stadium, and an air arena for hockey and basketball. Uh, it's not super in-depth, the drawings, uh, but I think they have this uh, perched on Lake Michigan. It's really tough to see if that's either Lake Michigan looks, or uh, <laughs> if it's Grant Park. Oh, uh, that is true. That's hard. It is hard to say. I would think that this is looking from the south, right? thing it, yeah it because looks, look at the buildings look at the buildings to, at the at the top nor you know uh above the baseball stadium there they go in mm. they go inward to the left so i'm gonna go ahead and guess that the black at the top of this picture is lake michigan with grant park being the empty spot between the lake and those buildings there it does so actually this looks like it would be right where we're talking about <laughs> Right. Right. Uh, isn't that odd? Yeah, it does. It feels like maybe it's a little bit too east, uh, maybe away from the river. Yeah. Uh, where the yeah. Uh, hockey basketball arena sits on looks like Roosevelt Road right there. It does <laughs> look right. like that. Yeah. Because look, that's the isn't that the field museum all the way over on the right? I guess. In the so, top but where's right, the skyline that's at the top of Grant Park? It's not. Uh, Grant Park seems like a, like, <laughs> like, yeah, like a, it's a 
It's either Forest not preserve. built or way, way too far north in this picture. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, hey, I'm not a Chicago historian, but this this thing was just interesting. And there's a, also one from 1985, the uh, Chicago Domes. I didn't have a picture for for this one, Sarah, but it was a baseball stadium and a football stadium right next to each other. And there is a model that was actually built with a removable roof for the football stadium. And this one was supposed to be built on the west side of the river. So honestly, a little bit north of our offices in a way, north of that blue line lake stop i think um so east of the river and a little bit north of uh of the l that runs through the west loop um so next up was after the 67 and 85 one uh there was the 85 convertible one uh, this one's just called convertible stadium this one's ugly uh this one was designed in 1985 by charles deaton uh the stadium was for the white Sox and for football as well the concept was in unique that it had four movable seating segments that converted for many different sports setups it was a capacity for 50,000 for baseball 57500 for the world series and 80k for the football stadium that you could see on the right picture on the first uh, slide there. If you put that all together, it would be circular like a football stadium. Uh, so we've had moats and we've had uh, drawbridges, but we never thought of it being like a Lego set. And also that first picture on the all the way on the left, being in center field, I know that's convertible, so it wouldn't be like that, but looking the opposite way is perfect. That's awesome. Like, oh, oh, right. Yeah, sit, sit and look the other way. The action's <laughs> behind you, guys. There might be a ball hit right behind you, so heads up. I, I think the whole thing is maybe they, like, flip that around, and that's where the extra 500 comes around for the World Series. Like, I don't I don't know where the 500 comes from for the World Series. It's um, innovative. I mean, to have yeah. a baseball, football, convertible-type stadium, that's innovative. I mean, I think they tried to do that kind of with Oakland, but it's a terrible place, and Mount Davis is – a monstrosity but yeah that would have been terrible for the white Sox and bears to have that joint venture now a joint venture between the white Sox and bears right now i would love that man i don't know why they don't come together and pull their money together and make a world-class stadium because people are greedy um and yeah. also too i i just think it'd be tough because there's gonna be the at some point on a sunday the bears and Sox schedule aligns and i guess schedule makers their job is to make that not happen um but I don't I don't know. It just it seems real sloppy to have two stadiums in one. But if someone wants to be brave enough and have uh, rich enough to, to do it, you know, do it for Chicago. This one, I think, is maybe the most modern one and could be like the 80 or 78. Uh, and this is the last one I think I have until we get to just Comiskey stuff. Uh, but if you want to show Addison one, Sarah, um, this is basically like a fan, like a, one of those folding fans. Um that's basically what this retractable dome is. It was supposed to be built in Addison in 1986 with the White Sox looking to replace the aging Comiskey Park. This plan for a 45,000 seat retractable dome was considered. At some points, plans changed to a roofless version of the park, which is unfortunate. Uh, the HOK Sport Design Park would have been approximately 30 miles northwest of Comiskey in suburban Addison, Illinois. The ballpark plan was put to a referendum in November 86, but failed by a thin 43 margin vote. Um, so I, I think this one's just very cool. I It's sad that they got rid of the dome in one version. Uh, but hey, wouldn't this be cool if you had a giant fan on top of you and on a nice day you get to see the skyline? And if not, it closes up on a rainy day and just get to watch some ball. Um, you get to see I, the skyline of what? Of Addison? 
Well, no, I mean, like I'm saying, like, they, built this, they, they built this in the 78. I'm picturing the the the, the next one to come. The uh, it looks Madison it looks Trail. very it looks very 70s and 80s. I'll tell you that much. It looks just like Kauffman Stadium used to look like with that middle part. It's weird. And yes, Addison, what are you seeing? The Dave and Buster's, Swift Road, Schick Road. Well, <laughs> actually, no, sorry, you can Madison. go to the 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 map where we, this would sit. You could see all the places. It's just uh, what. East of the Marcus Addison Cinema? Yeah, I was, I literally lived, if you look where that, uh, right behind the White Sox dome part and look right to the right where that little lake is on the other side of a Swift, I lived in apartments right there when they were discussing this. Yeah. You lived right by Dave and Buster's. Oh, right there. (laughs) That's why I know that area very intimately. Damn. All right. Well, I, I mean, hey, why don't why don't they just go back and build it there? I mean, I feel bad that you didn't grow up with uh, the socks right in your backyard. Or there's like industrial parks there, and it's right close to Medina. If you built it right there, it'll be literally across the street from Medina. Is Medina nice? Never been. It's glorious. It's one of the best uh, golf courses in Illinois. Oh, Medina. Oh, okay. I thought it was a country club. Not yeah, the I thought temple. it. I thought it was a city. <laughs> I just didn't know what Medina was. All right. Uh, final one. Uh, can we see the cell model? Because this is what ends up being built. Uh, and yeah. you can see there's even 35th Street there with some little cars. Um, it looks really nice when it's not built. And I think from the outside, it is a really nice park. It's just when you get inside. It's just kind of... Bum, 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 bum. Um, I don't know. Something about the cell didn't deliver, but then there was also this uh, mock-up of a renovation with a home run porch. So this was to be basically around 2001 when they made the switch from calling it Comiskey to uh, U.S. Cellular, and this would have been one of the additions. Uh, was instead of a video porch or a video board out there later on in uh, 2015, uh, they were going to just build a Arlington-esque home run porch, uh, which never got built, but would have looked ugly, I think. I do think the, you know, listen, I think guaranteed rate field is fine. I think it's perfectly, I think it gets a bad rap from, from a lot of Sox fans, but uh, I think probably what the issue might be for folks is that outfield view, right? And I wonder if you just tear, you know, to, to quote a former president, tear down that wall and, uh, and put just something out there if it looks a million percent different, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the video board is gigantic. I'm sure folks appreciate that. Um, I wonder if it's just, you know, those big like bar, you know, iron towers out there holding the lights up and everything. I wonder if you just get, if you just get rid of the the back and just change it to just something else. If it, if, if people just have a totally different idea of what that park is like, because you know, from the, from the the bowl part, it looks just like anywhere else. And, you know, I understand there are a little differences here and there, but, um, you know, I think maybe the view is maybe what gets folks like to me, like the thing to still like about Wrigley, even after they've, you know, corporatized it to, to death, basically, is the fact that you're still looking at an ivy covered wall and the scoreboard in the center field. And you get the, you know, if you're high up enough, you get the neighborhood view out and you get to see the lake and everything. I wonder if the view from your seat at you at guaranteed right field is, is maybe what's bothering people. And I wonder if there's a way to remake that that would totally remake the opinion uh, of, of, of what folks uh, see out there. All right. Hey, that's it. I uh, just wanted to share those weird concepts. I agree with you. Uh, there was one thing that Jay Zawoski posted on Twitter. Uh, someone asked him how often do the banners at the, the United center get taken down and cleaned? 
uh, like, you know, the retired jersey numbers. Apparently, it's every five years. The last time they did it was the 2017 Final Four. They're going to do it again uh, at some point in 2024. But I had a thought today, like, when do they clean those, like, weird X bars? And I think maybe it's just the rain. Like, does the rain sufficiently clean them? Are those things that need to be cleaned? They're covered in firework ash, I can tell you that. That's a good point. Good point to end on, too. Make sure you hit the thumbs up button. Make sure you're subscribed to the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. We are here every day at 3.30 to talk about your Chicago White Sox. That is Vinny Duber in the purple Jimi Hendrix shirt. You can follow him at Vinny Duber and read his work at allchgo.com. Thank you to Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Wall 23 is our CHGO White Sox community leader. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Appreciate everyone hanging out with us in the chat. And thank you to Sarah for producing the show. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 3.30. Goodbye.